0: Truth, being true, that which is true or an established fact. And that comes from Webster's New World Dictionary from 1984. Truth, correspondence of the known facts of existence with the sum total of God's universe, may be known by general and special revelation, but only so much as God chooses to reveal. God has made known all that man needs to know for life and salvation. Truth is manifested supremely in Christ. Those who turn away from him choose to live in error. And that comes from the new compact Bible dictionary from 1967. That's one of my old favorites right there. So I want you to just take a a quick minute here and look at the screens. And we're going to share just a really fast little video for you. Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You to. want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Most of us have seen that movie, and I had to be very careful on the editing of that little video. Uh, There's some language in there that uh, I might have gotten in a little bit of trouble for. But uh, we all want the truth, don't we? We all do. We expect it from our family. We expect it from our friends, coworkers, leaders, and our news sources. And how many times have you found yourself going back to someone you told a truth to, to explain to them it's not the truth? It's a very humbling experience when we have to do that. And it's happening more and more as we get closer to the end of the last days. And we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. But I'm going to explain what are the last days. If you're not quite sure what the last days are, they began after the resurrection of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit came upon the believers at Pentecost... And will continue until Christ comes a second time. So that means that right now we are living in the last days. And we need to make the most of the time we have left. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. I want you to join me today in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And Father God, this is your word that uh, we're going to look at tonight. And we're so thankful for it. Lord, I'm thankful for every person that chose to come here tonight. I-, I believe that there's not a person here tonight that was forced to come here, Father. It is by choice. And it's their choice to come here and grow closer uh, to you, Father. And so, Lord, I just ask that tonight that you would just reveal yourself to everybody in this room, Father. Please set me aside that what comes out of my mouth is what you want me to share tonight. And so, Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness and the love that you have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to go through all 17 verses, so... Uh, uh, cinch it up a little tighter and hold on we're going to go for this so uh, in this particular section of scripture it's broken down into three sections and verses one through nine the apostle foretells the rise of dangerous enemies to the gospel then we'll get into the second section and that's verses 10 through 13 and paul proposes his own example to timothy that's a very bold thing to do and then in the last section verses 14 through 17 Paul exhorts him, Timothy, to continue in the doctrine he had learned from the Holy Scriptures. So let's look at verse 1 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Paul is making a point here. And he says what? Know this. Know this. Now when I hear those words... I lean in just a little bit closer. I want to hear what's being said. Somebody's making a point that it's important. And now for me, we all have two ears, but I've only got one that works. This one's totally deaf. So if you ever come to my left side and talking to me, I'm not just blowing you off. I can't hear you. But I want to get in close, and I want to hear what Paul has to say. And what does Paul say? Perilous times will come. Not maybe, but they will come. And are we ready for these perilous times? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Whew. Take a breath there. That's a list. And there's 18 items that he lists right there. Let's go over just a few of those. And I go over these because I can point a finger at me. Of the things I've done in my life. Lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. (laughs) I've known a lot of people that, that believe... That he who has the most toys in the end wins. And at all costs, they will spend every dime they make to get all the best toys. I like money. I like to be able to have nice things if I can. At one time in my life, I was doing pretty good. But I abused it. And it was all about buying stuff for me and for my family. So God kind of took that away. He's like... You don't need all of that. All you need is for today. And I'm thankful that God has put me in that place so I don't have that love of money. Proud? Oh my goodness. That's an easy one to do. We can get very prideful. I know this is mostly adults, but at one time in your life, you were disobedient to your parents. We've all been there. They say yes, we say no. They say, come home at midnight, we come home at two disobedient. And sometimes we have to go to our parents later on in life and say, I am sorry for the way I treated you when I was a child. You may not have done it all right, but you were still my parent, and I was disobedient to you. Mm, I'm thankful. We see that more and more today. I'm expecting to get it. Why should I be thankful? Mm. Unloving, absolutely. A lot of times when people hurt us, we are unloving towards them. Unforgiving. Unforgiveness for me is a very dangerous place because it can just eat me up from the inside out as I go day after day, week after week, month after month, even years can go by of unforgiveness. And we have a wonderful example in Jesus Christ that he went to the cross for all of our sins and he has forgiven us of everything we have ever done. If we're doing something right now that we're in sin or whatever sin is to come, he has forgiven us of that. It doesn't give me the right to just go and live whatever life I want, but I am forgiven and I'm not gonna abuse that grace. So we need to look at forgiveness in a very serious, serious way. Without self-control. Anybody here have self-control issues? Yeah. Yeah, this profile right here shows I don't, you know. (laughs) My wife, (laughs) born in Germany, a mother of German descent, married to a man... My father-in-law, that came from Chihuahua, Mexico. So she's half German and half Mexican. I get the best food of all I really do. And right now it's summertime, get a little more more lighter fare, a lot of Mexican food going on. Come the fall and the winter, get to those heavy meat and potatoes things. And uh, she doesn't understand that. Because most guys, if it tastes good, we keep eating it. And she'll say, aren't you full? Yeah? But it's good. Let's have some more. Self-control, she says. Just self-control. Moderation, Mike. Moderation is all you need to do. Hmm. What else we got there? Despisers of good, traitors, headstrong. Oh, headstrong, absolutely, I've struggled with that. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Hmm. So what does the world say? The world says this. If it feels good, do it. If you think it's okay... Do it. If the Bible says don't do it, do it anyways, because the Bible is just an old book that doesn't pertain to today. It's irrelevant to us today. I submit to you today that it is easy to live a life in the world. I think it's easy. I was just talking with somebody last weekend that. They hadn't been here for a while, and uh, it wasn't that they were just skipping out on church. Didn't want to come, but you know I had some vacation in there, and then there was a birthday party, and and she got sick, and then it just all of a sudden it's been three weeks, and all of a sudden you start feeling a little bit dry there, and all of a sudden maybe you're doing the things that you normally wouldn't do. It's very easy to live the life of the world. But walking the narrow path of following Jesus ain't for sissies, folks. It is hard at times. It's very hard sometimes to walk the way Jesus wants us to walk. We can control the pleasures of this world, we can decide what we're going to do and how much we're going to do of the pleasures. But we can't control God. You cannot control God. It's easy to obtain the pleasures of this world. Very easy out there. You can go to, when I was younger, it was there was a gas station on every corner. Well, what's on every corner now, just about? It's the pot stores. They're everywhere. I get family comes in from out of state, and they're like, it's real, it's true. It's everywhere out here. And it is. It's easy to obtain that. We now have, what do they call it, full strength beer in the, in the grocery stores now. It's, it's there. It's everywhere. You can go to your doctor and get medications. I'm not saying all doctors that way, but uh, there are some that will give you excessive prescriptions. It's easy for us to get, and we can control the pleasure. But love for God requires... An effort on our part. An effort on our part. And many times, a sacrifice is required of us. If you've ever been under the influence of narcotics, what does it do? It takes your mind off of what you're going through right now. That's usually the pain that you're suffering, maybe from surgery or cancer, whatever it might be. But it takes you off of what you're thinking about and that's a very dangerous place to be and pleasure and pride go hand in hand because pleasure is all about me when we look good to others we feel good inside we want to make sure that we're feeling okay We must decide if we are going to please the world that is temporary or are we going to please the Father that is eternal? Which one are we going to do? Verse 5. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. Paul is telling us, turn away from that. If it walks like a duck, sounds like a duck, then it's probably a duck. Would you call that a truth? If it walks like a Christian, sounds like a Christian, well, then it must be a Christian, right? That may not be a truth. May not be a truth. How about a list? You're a Christian if, and I've only got a few. You're a Christian if you go to church. You're here every time the doors are open Adina. Wednesday nights, Saturday nights, Sunday morning, both services. She's here when the doors are open. So you must be a Christian. You must be a follower of Christ. You come to church. You seem to know God's word. You can quote scriptures left and right. Maybe you're a Christian if you can do that. You know all the right cliches, those Christianology phrases that we can use to make us sound really good. If you got those down, you might be a Christian. I'm well, sounding like uh, Jeff Foxworthy there, aren't I? <laughs> you know all the traditions of a Christian. You know all the right things to do at the right times of year all those traditions, you might be a Christian. On the outside, and at church, we look like a follower of Christ. All appearances mean and show that we look like a Christian. But on the inside, in our private lives, we are the complete opposite. Paul warns us to be very careful not to be sucked into their deception. If I've met you once or twice, I can assume that you're a Christian, that you are who you say you are. But if I hang out with you long enough, I'm gonna find out the true you. We start to get comfortable with one another. And that guard goes down a little bit. And my behavior might start to change a little bit. The words that come out of my mouth might start to change a little bit. The things I say about other people might start to change just a little bit. If you turn on the TV or turn on your computer and hit the internet, they are full of this. Absolutely full. They can talk a mean talk, but if you pay attention and just listen, do your research in God's word, you'll find that they have a form of godliness. And it's usually for personal gain. It's all from me. We've all seen them out there. I don't watch much TV at all. I really don't. I know the. it got talked about a year or so ago in, in the high school when I was in there one night. And uh, they were talking about Well, what do you watch? What do you watch? I watch this. I watch that. And they're like, Grandpa, what do you watch? And I'm like, well, let me think about it. Let's see. It's September. Let's see. Got it. In February, I watched the Daytona 500. And they went, February was the last time you had your TV on? Yeah. It's been that long. I still love NASCAR. I just don't have time to watch it anymore. I'm going round and round and round in circles. (laughs) but it's out there and we've all seen the shows we've seen the pastors out there uh, wanting money and all this kind of stuff for the jet and for this and for that and all that kind of stuff and they never talk about Jesus Christ I turned on the TV a couple years ago I'd gotten done with the service here at the early service on Sunday morning and went home and I said I'm just going to turn it on I want to see if there's a certain church on the, on the TV and sure enough it was still there I watched the whole thing. And not one time did he pull this out. Not one time did he talk about Jesus. Not one time did he talk about the cross. And it just saddened my heart. If you look at him from the outside, it all looks good. But the truth really comes out over time. Verses 6 and 7. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, also learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Where's Paul at while he's writing this? Well, he's in prison, and he's writing to Timothy, who is in Ephesus. Pretty much up to this point, the women, and you've got to think of context of the time, where we're at, did not receive any formal training when it came to God, religious teachings, and all that sort of stuff. They weren't, they weren't allowed. So unless they had a husband or a, a, a male relative to share with them about this amazing new stuff, they didn't know. Had no clue what was going on. And this must have been, this new time that's going on, must have been super exciting for everybody but I'm thinking of the women specifically right now and they stayed at home and you can just picture them right now sitting in a circle and maybe they're mending clothes or that sort of thing or preparing food that sort of thing and they're talking with one another about this new thing about Jesus what an exciting time what a new concept that one they get to learn personally about Jesus what an awesome thing. But then they get to share with one another of what they're learning and the thoughts that go with them on that. Men that are looking, looking for personal pleasure will go after the week. Not just the women, but gullible men as well. And, of course, they will go after the youth. Let me give you a few unbiblical, worldly beliefs. And this is a very short list, so I'm sure we could add to it. But I, I'm going to give you five of them tonight. Unbiblical, worldly truths. You don't have to respect authority. Ask a teacher today of what it's like to be in the classroom. They can't hardly discipline. My oldest sister taught for over 30 years. she finally said I gotta walk away I can't do this anymore the kids are running the classroom we look at the authority towards the police and I know they're not perfect none of us are and there's always going to be a bad seed but I believe by and large the police in the United States today are good and most people don't understand what they have to go through what they see on a daily basis Respect for authority. It even goes to your parents. Those kids don't want to respect their their parents anymore. All right, let's, let's hit a hot button here. Abortion. It's the right of a mother to terminate a child. It's her choice. It's her body. It's her choice. We're seeing laws coming on the books today that take that all the way up to right before that child could be born. It just breaks my heart that you could do that to a child. If you want to make the choice to have sex, then the consequence is you might be pregnant. So stop having sex. I had six kids. I finally figured out what was causing it. (laughs) Stop doing that. Get away from me, woman. I love all those six kids. I spoke about this just a little bit ago. Legalized marijuana. That's a, that's a tough thing. And we look at all the, the derivatives of that. We look at CBD oil. That helps people with, with cancer and different types of diseases. To kind of help them get through that. You know, the CBD oil doesn't have the THC in it to get you high. So is that okay? Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. Something you'll have to figure out on your own. Talk with God about that. But looking at what happens to a young person's brain when they get involved in in drugs and alcohol at an early age, and we get stuck there. Get stuck there. And man, I speak from experience when you get addicted to that stuff, it is really hard to get off of it. Really hard. But God is there to help us get through that. Right to die. I'm really sick and I'm in pain, so I'm going to check out. Those laws are becoming just everywhere across the country. That is an unbiblical truth. God decides when he's going to bring you home. We don't get to decide to do that. Suicide rates are ridiculously high. I'm a survivor of suicide. Many years ago. I am thankful today that friends found me. Because if they hadn't found me, I wouldn't be here today. So thankful for that. Really super thankful for that. I wouldn't have all those crazy six kids either. Okay, here's my last one. You ready? Hold on. Same-sex marriage. It wasn't but just a few years ago that it was just a few states that said it was okay, it was legal to marry somebody of the same sex. And I remember making a statement. I said, I'll bet you within five years, five years, it's going to go across the country. It was about two years. It moved that fast. When we go to Genesis chapter 2, it says what? He created man and he created woman. And that is who is to be married. Period. It's not enough for discussion. That's all it is. About seven years ago, I went on a mission trip. And it was actually my first one. And uh, it was with the high school. And um, we went to California. That's a good mission field. And so... We started down in Southern California and moved up north and ended up in San Francisco. And I'll tell you what, for my first trip, it set the bar of what a mission trip could be like. I saw the craziest things that go on. I saw miracles right before my eyes in California. But when we get up to San Francisco, and and we're in a a dangerous part of of San Francisco, and uh, we're staying in a mission, and we're, we're told, be very careful, please be careful. Do not walk the streets by yourself. Let us know if you're leaving the compound because everything's walled. And I mean, we're talking walled. There are dead people in the morning, out on the streets. Somebody either killed them, died of an overdose, whatever it might be. You never know. You know in San Francisco, you can ride your bicycle naked. Be ready, hold on. That's a shock to you. Did you just see that one? by? Got no clothes on. I'm thankful that they finally changed the law that says if you're in a restaurant, you have to have some clothes on. But anyways, we go on a prayer walk. That first night we get there, and we're walking around the neighborhood, and there's, uh, there's 15 of us, plus the mission people and stuff like that, and going to different spots and just stopping and praying over it and that sort of stuff. And Maybe we were praying over somebody who died there the week before or whatever it might be. And so then we go up to a building, side of the building, and there's a mural on the side of the building we was just kind of looking at it. I'm like, well, it's kind of cool. Nice, nice mural. And then it hit me that the mural is a picture of people looking at the mural. And I'm like, well, this is really weird. But it was. The mural is us looking at the mural on the wall. And and I could tell that it was it was down, it was looking down like that. And I said, Well, that must have been from up there. That's where they got that view of how to do this mural. And so I look up there, okay, I see that. And I look over there, and there's a billboard up there. And it kind of caught my eye, and I look back again, and I looked again. Hmm. And on this billboard, there's a guy my age, grandpa looking dude, and he's just got his hands on the shoulders of a young boy, probably right about 10, 11, maybe like that. And then on the other side was grandma, and she's got her hands on the shoulders of a young girl. And I thought, oh, isn't that cute? Then I started reading the words. They were trying to pass a law that said that was legal for a man and woman of that age to be with a girl or a boy of that age. That's sick, folks. I'd never seen anything so bad in my life. The depravity the evil that we're in in the last days that people would want to do that couldn't get out of that town fast enough but some great things did happen there that's for sure but this knowledge of learning have you ever spent a semester or maybe even a couple years in school studying a subject. And when you're done with that course, you feel like you don't know anything more than the day you started. You didn't learn a thing. For me, seventh grade Spanish, (laughs) I know more Spanish today than I knew back then. The first quarter, I got a D, and the second quarter, I got an F. I didn't get credit for taking the class. Sophomore in high school, It was geometry. And I thought I loved numbers, but I didn't love that. Here was the problem with geometry. Because we all get those books handed out the first year. What do you have in the back of the book? Answers to the odd questions usually, right? I had teacher's edition. It was awesome. I did great homework. But I was that poor kid that just didn't test well. I took it for a year and I learned nothing. Absolutely nothing. All I know is triangles have three sides. That's about all I know. (laughs) (laughs) Studying and learning. Studying and learning. It's talking. In verse 7. It's talking about ineffective, ineffective learning. Knowledge is a wonderful, wonderful thing. If it's used and applied, and what is the definition of wisdom? Knowledge applied. If you desire to learn, you will learn. I guarantee it, if you have the desire. Let me tell you a quick little story about my youngest daughter, Autumn. Very bright individual, and she was that last child. (laughs) Quite the surprise. She had the opportunity to go to any high school in Colorado Springs. She was sought after. She was recruited because of what she had done in middle school. And she chose, of all schools to go to, Mitchell High School. everybody goes, ooh, that's the worst school in District 11. It's terrible. It's not that great, but most high schools aren't that good. She chose to go there because she knew some of the teachers... And she knew that they wanted to invest into her. She knew class sizes were gonna be small and that she would get that individual attention, that one-on-one attention, that because she desired to learn, she knew by putting herself into that, setting aside all the other stuff that's going on at school, that she would succeed and do well. And we see that in a lot of high school students today, is that they go into college. And so she spent a year and a half, maybe a little bit more, Most of her time over at PPCC. And it was awesome. She desires to learn. And here's the proud daddy part of it. (laughs) She graduated with a 4.85 GPA. Yeah. Fifth in her class. Her best friend was the number one in the class. And so they worked together a lot. But she put her effort into it. I've got a couple other kids like that. I'm like, they didn't get that smartness from me. That's for darn sure. (laughs) If you work hard and you want to learn, you will. And if you want to learn about God and you desire to learn about God, you desire to have a better, long-lasting relationship with him, you will do it. In 1 John chapter 2, it says this, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. The anointing received is the Holy Spirit. Just heard this just the other day. People say, I don't know what this means. Yeah, you do. It is there for you. And when we invite that Holy Spirit to come in, show me what the Word says, you're going to learn. Sometimes we need a little help. I need help. There's times of the day day, Dr. Dan, Eric, I need a little help here. I'm not quite grasping this. If we have that desire, we will win. And I know this says that we don't need that anyone teach you. That's not true. It really isn't. We need help. We can't just... Get it through osmosis. We need to come here. We need to be in fellowship with other people. We need to take Bible classes. We need to be in Bible studies. We need to do all these things to help us out. I love that verse. So it's 1 John 2 27. And if you want to highlight that in your Bible. And we have everything we need. Verses 8 and 9. Into the first section here of Scripture here. Now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. So who are these two guys? Uh, Jewish tradition says they were the magicians of Pharaoh's court. Some of the magicians. They were able to duplicate some of the miracles That Moses was doing some of them but not all of them you remember the one where Moses throws down his staff and turns into a snake well they do the same thing but what does Moses do it eats the other snakes and overcomes that evil that was there so eventually they could not duplicate all the most all the miracles that Moses did so I asked the question why did Paul use this scripture reference And I believe it was to show that God was more than able to overcome the evil way back there in the day at the church of Ephesus and today. God is more than able to overcome evil. We all know that he has won. And one day it's going to be locked. The door is going to be locked on Satan. And he will not ever, ever, ever again be let out. Amen is right. What is that going to be like to not have sin? I just, it, it blows my mind away sometimes to not have any temptations. So let's go into the next section here. And this is a section on being an example. And Paul is very bold here that he says, Look at me. Look at me. But. You have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. That's a pretty good list there, and I don't think I could add anything to it. Paul endured and was delivered. And I know a lot of times we we feel that we are in the worst hole that anybody could possibly be in. But God will deliver us from those. In Acts 14, verses 19 and 20 says, Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. He overcame. They thought he was dead, and this not. And that was just one example that Paul uh, went through. And if you want more, a comprehensive list, you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 33. And it, <laughs> Paul shares all the stuff that he went through. Paul was all in. All in. And unlike pleasure seekers who will jump ship on their teachings if pain or death is possible. History varies on how all the apostles died, but it is believed they all died as martyrs except for John. When you truly believe what you believe in, you will go to the death. Those that don't truly believe in it will back out at the last minute. Eh, maybe this isn't quite right. "Ah, That's just kidding. I really don't believe this stuff. I was in for the money. Because when you're faced with death, it can change you very quickly. But as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, we know that we know that when we die and leave planet Earth, we will be in the presence of God. In the presence of God. That means I am justified before him. Wow. Verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you are all in for Christ, you will suffer persecution. You will, if you're all in. We are fortunate that we don't really suffer persecution in this country. But other parts of the world, people are dying by the thousands in the name of Jesus, by the thousands. According to the international organization Open Doors, more than 245 million Christians, and this is in the past year, 245 million Christians were victims of serious persecution. That's a lot of people, a quarter of a billion. Ranking the 50 worst countries where where Christians are victims of persecution, you got 35 countries in Asia, Africa has 15, and Latin America has two, that you will be persecuted for your faith. Also in their report, the number of people killed because they were Christians is a staggering 4,305 people just because they said, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I follow him. In addition, 3,150 Christians, 3,150, were detained and 1,847 churches have been vandalized in this past year. If you serve Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted. And I ask the question: Will we ever get to that point in the United States? Because it's pretty cushy right now. About the worst you're going to do, or get persecuted on, they laugh at you maybe a little bit, ridicule you on Facebook or something like that, and shame you. Maybe throw a milkshake on you. I don't know. They'll do something. But I believe the time is coming. If you just go north of the border, there are things you cannot say in the pulpit that if you do, you will go to jail. You know what I say? Come and try to shut this mouth up. You're not going to silence this guy. This is way too important. This is eternal importance. Time is coming. Verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. False teachers won't just go away. They will keep teaching their ways as long as they can. They will go from bad to worse, and worse to worser. I made up that word. (laughs) Fight for the truth. If you can, correct them lovingly and bring them back to faith in jesus christ how do you do this you point them to god's word this is the truth absolute and perfect truth it never lies and i said that we need to do it lovingly Let's go to the last section here. And this is Paul's exhortation to Timothy. But you must continue in the things, verse 14, which you have learned and been assured of, underline that, assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Today is just like back then, surrounded by false teachers. The easy thing to do is abandon your ministry or modify your beliefs so you won't be persecuted. That's the easy thing to do. Paul encourages Timothy here to look back on the past, hold steadfast in the teachings he knew and was assured of was assured of. And that is very, very important. We must know that we know that we know who Jesus Christ is and that we know without a doubt that he is our Lord and Savior. And that when I die and I leave this earth, I will be with him for eternity. Does eternity ever mess with your head too? What's it going to be like? What am I going to do forever? Forever? I've gotten to enjoy taking naps. So uh, I'm going to ask Jesus if it's okay if I can check out for about a billion years and just take a really nice nap. And will just be a blink of an eye when you think about it. <laughs> we need to know that we know that we know. We must stand up to the world when they want to distort the truth. Or crowd us out so they can do whatever they want. Encouraging young people is vitally important. If you go over to 1 Timothy four twelve, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Encouraging others. And I love encouraging young people because they can really get a bad rap. They really can. A lot of times we think they're not listening, but I'm I'm telling you, they are hearing what you're saying. That's why you need to be very careful with that. Many years ago, and I spent 40 years in the printing industry, and that was my wandering in the desert until I answered the call to ministry. But there was a young man working for me. And he had just quit being the manager of Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC. And he's like, man, I just I can't do it anymore. I just need a no-brainer job. And I said, well, I need a driver to make deliveries. He's like, I'll do it. And he was a great driver. He just did a great job. I would get wonderful uh, compliments uh, back about him from our clients, just how professional he was, just a kind and courteous young man. But after about a year, he said, you know, Mike, I just, I don't want to be doing this. This is just a plain, man, it's just a job, you know. I need more than that. And I said, buddy, I see something in you. There is something about you that's got a lot of great things ahead of it. And I said, do me this. Just stick it out for a little bit longer. And he did. And in a short period of time, he got moved over to the corporate office and started to do stuff over there. He was given more responsibility. And he kept going up, going up. And then he married the owner's daughter. (laughs) said, good job, buddy. (laughs) That's a way to get in. And now, this young man, he's not that young anymore. He's now the general manager of all the stores here in Colorado Springs. He's over all the stores in Seattle, Portland. Got stores in Arizona, down in Texas, Louisiana. All of one little thing. I encouraged him. That's all I did. And it's amazing by just a few little words of what we can do to help somebody out in that area. I'm reading a wonderful book written by Wes Stafford, uh, past president of Compassion International, and it's called Just a Minute. I think it's like 65 stories about interacting with a child. If you can read this book, it is awesome. It's so hard to read because I just cry. But all it takes is just a little thing and can affect that child for the rest of their life. We also have to be careful because it can have that negative effect too. Just a minute. Great book. Just about done here, folks. Teaching small children from an early age is vitally important. Timothy's faith was founded on the scriptures. And for him, that was the Old Testament, but also from the teachings from Paul. Most of you know the stat. Eight out of ten, 80% of high schoolers today, when they graduate and leave home, will walk away from the church. Eight out of ten. As I was teaching in the high school last week, did that quick little head count. And <laughs> it's like, there's only going to be four of you a couple of years that are still following Christ and, and being in the church. And I said, is it you? Oh, not me. How about you? Are you going to walk away? No, I'm going to always follow Jesus Christ. And all around the room. And there was only one kid that said, I have to be here because my mom makes me come here. <laughs> and when I get out of high school, I'm leaving the church. I said, no, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. But eight out of ten will walk away from the church when they leave home. Hmm. Encourage those Teenagers, it's time to break that chain right here and right now. Let's switch that around. Eight out of ten high schoolers will stay in the church and follow Christ, not leave the church. Last two verses, 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture. Not just the parts that you like over here, or over here, or what's comfortable for you, but all scripture. And it's inspired by who? By God Himself, the creator of the universe. Why were we created? We were created to worship and glorify God. That's why we were created. He didn't need us. He wasn't bored. He didn't need us. He had perfectness going on. He didn't need us. We're just a bunch of trouble. (laughs) And if we are thoroughly equipped... We can and will do good works. We are inundated with what we're supposed to look like, what we're supposed to wear, what you can or cannot say, or how you're supposed to act. That's all superficial. God created us very uniquely. There isn't another one just like you or me. Thank you, Jesus. There's only one of me. And there never will be anybody just like you. And we all know this from Jeremiah 29, 11, don't we? He has good thoughts for us and a future and hope. What a great promise. That is truth. Please be in the word. Study his word so you may be complete and equipped for good works. As we transition into a time of communion here. The worship team is going to join us as we sing praises to our, our Heavenly Father for what He has done for us and worship Him for who He is. I want to share one last thing with you, and I'm done. Some of you have probably heard this before. I want you to take just a minute, and I want you to think of yourself as a house. Get that, get that going in your head. a house And I don't know how many rooms you have in your house, but your house. And on the outside of the house is Jesus. And he's standing out there, and he wants to come in to your house. But he won't bust his way in. But he wants to come in, and all you have to do is open the door and let him in. And so a lot of times, what do we do? We open that door just... Just a little bit, and we'll tell Jesus what we need or what we want, and close the door real quick. That's all I need. But Jesus comes back. He so says, I just want to come in. You open it up just a little bit. And once again, you say what you want or what you need. But Jesus is out there, and maybe he has an apron on, and he's got a bucket, and he's got a mop in his hand. He wants to come in your house. He wants to clean your house. Some of our rooms are really clean. And some of our rooms are really filthy. And if you're of my age, you'll remember those, the front room of of the house. And a lot of times there was plastic on the furniture. You weren't supposed to go into that room. It just looked good. But that was the front room. And maybe if you were walking by and the curtains were open, you could see in. And it looked good. And isn't that how it is with us sometimes? On the outside, we're looking good. And people look at us and go, man, you got it all together. You got it all together. Everything's perfect in your life. But all they're seeing is that front room. That's all they see. They don't see how dirty my bathroom is or how dirty the basement is. God just wants to come in there and he wants to come to those rooms. He wants to take his bucket and his mop and go into that room and he wants to clean. And all we have to do is open the door. That's all we have to do. Just open the door and let him in. And he's going to come in and he'll go in there one room at a time. And he's going to go clean up that room for you. And if you have another room that needs to be cleaned up, he's going to go to that one too. And he's patient and he'll do a great job of cleaning. All we have to do is open the door and let him in. So you're that house. And Jesus on the outside, and he wants to come in. Are you going to open the door? Tonight, I encourage you, if you got some dirty rooms in your house, invite Jesus in. I encourage you to come down here uh, as we're about ready to do uh, communion here, and a worship team uh, joins us here. Come down and talk to a pastor. Talk to somebody on the ministry team down here if you need to, just get on your knees and call out to God and say, Jesus, come in. I need you to clean up my mess because he is faithful to do so. He is a loving God and wants to do that. He knows we live in a fallen world and he knows life is difficult. He lived here. He walked the earth. And was tempted in every way that you or me have been done. We can't say that Jesus hasn't been there and done that. He has. But his perfection is our example. Because he never fell in to sin. Not one time. Maybe you've never ever opened the door for Jesus. There might be people here tonight that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you might have heard those untruths out there that this is all just a fantasy, it's not real. But it is truth, my friends. And sometimes I just wanna share with somebody, I hope you're right, that your belief system is right because if you're right, I don't lose. And I die and the lights turn off and it's over with. But if I'm right, and what my Bible teaches me is right, and you don't believe this, you're in really big trouble. Because you will now spend eternity separated from God. So if you don't know Jesus Christ here tonight, I invite you to come down here. We would love to share that with you. What it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you already have that relationship with Jesus Christ, Come down to the elements here of communion as we, we, we remember what Christ did for us on the cross. He gave up his body. He gave up his blood for us so that we will have eternal life with him. God bless.